Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Thanks for dropping by my weekly workshop, coming to you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. For those new arrivals to our community, the weekly workshop features a compilation of my content from the last seven days, including, but not limited to, inspiration for would-be side hustlers and full-time giggers, tool and gear reviews, and finding financial and lifestyle freedom through entrepreneurship. And also, if you prefer your content of the video variety, you can find it all at toolmantim.co. Thanks for taking the time to have a listen, and with that, let's dive into this week's edition of the Weekly Workshop. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's Monday morning, which means it's time for another money-making minute, and this week's edition is always a fun one. This is our Community Member Spotlight Review. And this week, I've got a really cool guy I want to share with you. His name's Kerry Brown from Strong Roots Resources. We'll switch over to him right now, and he'll tell you what it is he's reviewing and a little bit about himself. So here he is. Kerry Brown here with Strong Roots Resources in Knoxville, Tennessee. Early this week, I got an email from Tim Cook said he wanted to feature me on his uh, community spotlight. Uh, segment for his uh, for his YouTube channel and newsletter, and that's high praise. Um, Tim's been a huge inspiration uh, and a motivator for me, and a, a wonderful influencer. And he seems like a great guy. And one of these days, I'd really hope to hang out with him in person. So he wanted to know if I had a piece of equipment or a tool, a preparedness item, or something of the sort that I use every day in my business, uh, which wears many hats, much like all seasons maintenance. Um, I do a variety of landscaping work locally. I also help with designing edible landscape systems uh, and I do consulting along those lines as well. So I do a whole lot of labor and a little bit of brain work. And so I had a hard time coming up with something uh, for to, to, to feature for this uh, tool segment. I have a lot of tools. I use a lot of stuff. I break a lot of stuff. I'm really hard on things. So after it was all said and done when I got to really thinking about what uh, what I had to have it's this thing behind me it's a 97 Jeep uh, Cherokee Country uh, dad sold it to me last year he'd been hanging on to it for a few years and he got tired of as he says putting it on he says you don't get in a Jeep Cherokee you put it on well I'm not quite as tall as dad so I fit in it pretty well and this thing has been a workhorse um, it pulls the landscaping trailer it lets me keep everything organized. I keep everything locked up. Um, let's just say some of the neighborhoods I work in, things like to walk off. So I can keep everything nice and secure, unlike just kind of throwing things in a truck bed. Uh, so uh, I love this thing. It's it's fantastic. Uh, it's got a couple of nicknames. If you're a Star Wars fan, you will get this. Um, if you're not, you maybe should consider becoming a Star Wars fan. So you can see my little R2 sticker on the back. And I first started calling the Jeep uh, the R2 unit because it's versatile, but it's also a little rough around the edges, kind of like R2 is, especially by the time of the uh, original series. And so uh, it is it is the R2 unit. And another Star Wars reference, because I really need to get the air conditioning fixed, is that it is a thermal detonator. It is black. It is August in East Tennessee. And I have the four-window air conditioning system going on in this thing. Fortunately, my commutes are not very long. It's, it's just about 
15 or 20 minutes from the house to most places where I work, so it's, it's not the worst in the world, but, uh, but it's, but it's just warm. So, that's, that's my thing. I hope that's not cheating, Tim. Uh, it, it's a wonderful vehicle. I will get the AC fixed. Um, it, it lets me take care of everything I need to take care of. It's been super reliable. I put, you know, the maintenance work into it. I bought it a new radiator. It was the first radiator that it had had replaced uh, since 97, so you can't beat that. So, again, uh, thanks for asking me, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I love following your content. You keep me rolling, especially this time of year when it is hot and I am tired and I feel like I am just beat half to death. Um, I try really hard to keep a positive attitude, and folks like you make that easy for me to do. So y'all take care out there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. So I hope you enjoyed that community member spotlight this week. And remember, guys, if you want to be in the community member spotlight, we do one once a month here. You can message me through the form on my website. Let me know a little bit about who you are, what product you might like to review, and we'll get you up here. We'll uh, spread the word about who you are, the content you create or don't create, your social media links, and all of that. Who is Carrie Brown and Strong Roots Resources? Well, he's been a member of the workshop community since before it was called the workshop. Way back when I first started, and it was still branded under my business, All Seasons Maintenance. And Carrie, I, I had to go back and I looked, and I found some comments of his from uh, May of 2020, which is only three months after I launched the channel. So he has been there, giving me inspiration, letting me know what it is that he's doing, asking questions the whole way along. So I really appreciate that. So what do you need to know about Carrie? Well, number one, he's an inspiring dude. He walked away from being an EMT a few years ago because of the stress. He just got tired of working for the man and just, you know, a whole bunch of reasons. But he had some personal issues and demons that he had to deal with that he's very open about. And he overcame them. He made his choice to put his foot down and say, you know what? It's time for independence and freedom in all areas of my life. So he started the business, he dealt with some of those things, and he has knocked it out of the park since. Um, I'm not sure if he calls himself a handyman or not, but he runs a landscaping business, he does some handyman work, and he does some really cool consulting work where he'll come in and he'll check out your property and tell you, oh, this would be really good here, you can make food in this area, you, you know, basically how to make yourself self-sufficient on your land. He's good at building raised garden beds, uh, composting, rain catchment, all of that. Um, if you want to know a little more about Kerry, uh, one of the things that I really appreciated about him was he was on the uh, Living Free in Tennessee podcast uh, last spring. He did an interview there with uh, the host, Nicole Sauce, and he really shared his life story. So if you want to know more about him, I'm going to put the link to that in the description below as well. Go by and check out his website at strongrootsresources.com and I've got his Instagram page and some of his other social media accounts in there. So yeah, check him out guys, support him, show the workshop community love and spread it around. And like I said, if you would like to be in the community member spotlight, just uh, you can leave a message down here or use the form on the website. And if you wanna know more about me, toolmantim.co and check that out, you'll find everything there is to know. Thanks guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. Morning guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's another incredible Tuesday morning, which means it's time for another Toolbox Tuesday. And I've got another gadget that I use on a regular basis that I want to share with you guys. So have you ever had to lift something really big, 
or really awkward or really heavy and you just don't think you're up to it, well, <laughs> might sound like an infomercial, but these lowly little straps here claim to turn your arms, your forearms, into a forklift. And I got to tell you, I've used these for a couple of years now and these little forearm forklifts absolutely work. Guys, real quick before we dive into the review, if you don't know who I am, you probably do, but if you don't and you want to know more about who I am, run by toolmantim.co. That'll tell you everything you need to know about who I am, my social media links, the monthly newsletter, the weekly podcast, and of course, the shop section where I have over a hundred links to Amazon products that I recommend, stuff I've reviewed, stuff that I've used, stuff that's made me money or saved me money in my handyman business. Whole bunch of product categories there. We've got hand tools, painting tools, cordless tools, landscaping gear, household stuff, and preparedness items. So run by there, check that out, and see what kind of things I recommend. And if you pick any of them up, I get a small uh, commission from that, which helps support the content that I create. A couple of years back, I had a big moving job, and for whatever reason, whenever I have to do a big moving job the night before, I get nervous. I always think, some of this stuff's going to be heavy. I don't know if we're going to be able to handle it. I don't know if I want to... I don't want to break anything from the customers, that kind of stuff. So I went into my hardware store that morning and uh, Rod there, awesome guy, he, he's the owner and he treats me good. He always has good recommendations and he says, Tim, have you ever tried these forearm forklifts? I thought, they just look like a cheap ratchet strap to me, I don't know. He, he talked me into it, I bought them and I, of course, as soon as I left, I thought, and he never lets me down with a recommendation. I thought, I'm not going to use them. So we used, we went, and for the next two or three moves after that, these set still in the package underneath the back seat of my truck. We ended up having to move this big bureau or this big hutch, whatever you want to call it. It's a china cabinet anyway. And I thought, you know what? It's time to use these guys. So I went online and I looked. Okay, well, they can't be that difficult to use. And we set them up. And if you've never used them before, they come as a pack of two. And you'll see they, this is one end. And they have three openings put your hands through depending on the, the right height you need it and then you loop the item or loop this underneath the item like this and you can crisscross them if you want but I find for the most part they work really well if you have one person I'm gonna put pictures in here because of course I can't demonstrate it working by myself basically you put your hands through you grab the strap like that and then you stand up it brings everything into the body and what the manufacturer says is that it makes it feel 65 to 70 percent lighter and it's absolutely true recently we moved a it was about a five foot long deep freeze full of food two of us easily with one of these and for two of you to try to pick that up well what it does is it keeps the item a bunch of things but it allows you to not have to lift it all the way up here where you're using your shoulders and your upper back to hold on to everything it allows you to center the weight it allows you to keep your hands free when you're going through doorways, which is huge because I don't know if you guys ever, you pick up a big, heavy, awkward item and then all of a sudden your hands are on the outside and you realize you're too tight of a squeeze to get through. You can't set the item down. You got to shimmy your hands around. You end up injuring yourself and I've hurt my back a bunch of times doing moves. So these guys have become an indispensable piece of kit for when we're doing big, heavy, awkward moves. Now, of course, say you got a great big, tall china cabinet. Well, in order to pick it up and carry it properly, you've got to bend down and get it up to waist height. So now you've got a six foot china cabinet that's two or three feet above you and you can't get through a doorway. And you might not be able to flip it over because it has glass doors or whatever. What this allows you to do is to just pick it up three or four inches off the floor and then walk carefully with it right through the door. 
King size mattresses, you know how they flip and flop and that sort of thing. You get the longer, there's a longer set of straps of these as well. I just ordered a new set, um, I'll tell you about that in a minute, that you can crisscross and then you can carry mattresses right up the stairs. Because again, when you go to pick up a mattress, you've got to bring it up to at least waist height and then it's too tall to get up stairwells. So again, this way you leave it on the longest setting when you drop it down, pick it up just a little bit and you just go right up the stairs. Mattresses aren't heavy, they're just big and awkward. They're like a 17 year old teenager. They might be six foot tall, but they only weigh 100 pounds. So it allows you to pick things up in a way that's more natural, cradle the weight to your body and use more of your muscles properly. And you're, you've got the, the item secure so you're not more... You're not more prone to these twisting and turning and popping injuries that you can end up having when you're holding something in a way that isn't meant for your body to hold it. 4.4 stars out of over, I gotta see it, 10,000 reviews on Amazon. Now, a bit of the reason that that rating is a little bit low, you read through the ratings and number one, some people don't know how to use these. Watch a couple of videos, I'll put a link in the description to let you know how to use them. But number two, and this is the big part, there is a lot of fake ones of these out on the internet. Now you might think, Tim, how in the world can they make a fake forearm forklift? So I actually watched a video from the creator of these quite a while ago, and he was really legitimately concerned about the amount of fake ones of these. At the time it was on eBay, and now they've proliferated Amazon. They're all over the place. Now, if you go in and watch the Amazon reviews, you can actually see where some people have got one set of real ones and one set of fake ones side by side because the Amazon warehouse worker picked the wrong ones. They're shorter, they're thinner, and they're narrower. Now these guys here say two people can pick up 800 pounds worth of stuff comfortably. And I believe it because we've come close to doing it. But those straps that you get, okay, when you go in, make sure on Amazon that you pick these up from the forearm forklift store. That's the biggest thing, the most important thing. They're not expensive from them either. But, you know, they're about five bucks cheaper if you buy them, the Chinese knockoffs. But I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't trust them to lift a bag of pillows. They, they're, they look like they're made out of absolute junk. So make sure on Amazon you'll see that it's the certified forearm forklift store. These guys have changed my life because I have twisted and turned and tweaked things in my back so many times. And we use these all the time now. In a pinch, you can use, take a um, ratchet strap out and you know, just, just with the one buckle on the end and take the full thing out of the actual ratcheting mechanism and you can use those in a pinch as well. They've worked, I've done it with a customer when we showed up and didn't have any, he's like, oh, let me show you. And it does work, harder on the hands, bites into the material a little bit more. So look for these guys, there's a couple other ones. These are the shorter ones, we use these the most. Uh, there's a longer set that I just ordered that you can use for like king size mattresses and I also just ordered a set that come with a back brace as well. So the whole thing is tied in, you, you crisscross them, and it's tied into a back brace so it, it holds onto your shoulders and gives you that much extra support when you're lifting things. So for real big heavy items, that'll be the next thing that we uh, pick up and test out. But for now, if you guys are looking for, of course it is a two-man uh, operation, these items, but one other thing, one kind of cool little trick or hack you need to do, say you got a really heavy, like we had a grandfather clock that we needed to move and we didn't want to really tip and twist a whole lot. So what you can do is just tilt it back a little bit, slide this under there, and you don't even have to pick it up off the ground, but what it allows you to do is kind of pull up on the weight of an item and then just kind of slide it to the side. So you just have two hands here, it saves you, it's a lot easier on the furniture and it's a lot easier on your floor. But like I said, you need two people to use these, but a husband and wife can easily 
use these to lift heavy items if you follow the directions. So if you're looking for a way to save your back, save some time, and maybe save some furniture that you didn't want to break, check out the forearm forklifts. These guys have been a lifesaver to me. All right, guys, that's it for me this week. If you're new and you want to hang around five videos a week, hit the subscribe button and stick around. Introduce yourself in the comments. If you've got suggestions for other products you'd love to see me review, throw them down there as well because most of my ideas come from you guys and I appreciate that. And you always know I love you guys coming in and hanging out with me in the workshop. So thanks, guys. So as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's another Wednesday morning, which means it's time for another Tool Time Gear review. And as always, I got another good one for you this week. This week, I wanted to feature something I've been testing for quite some time because I wanted to give you my honest opinion. It was something I really wanted to like, but honestly, I just didn't like it. And that is this compact Milwaukee hacksaw. Real quick before we dive into the review, if you want to know more about who I am, toolmantim.co, that's toolmantim.co. You can sign up for the monthly newsletter, the, check out the weekly podcast, find all my past podcast appearances, and if you're looking for a recommendation on a product, I've got over a hundred at the shop section over there of Amazon products that I've used, things that have made me money, saved me money, things that have solved problems that I've had, a ton of different categories. We got household items, cordless tools, landscaping gear, preparedness items, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So check it out. If you've been following me for a while, that one of my big things this year has been paring down or making my everyday carry toolbox lighter, more compact, but more quality. And one of the biggest items that took up the most real estate in my toolbox was my heavy duty hacksaw. I love a hacksaw. I use it for more than I probably should, but those things are great and they're built well. So now I was on the, the hunt or the prowl for a hacksaw that was more compact that I could carry in my toolbox that didn't get in the way all the time. And you guys know I've had great luck. I'm, I'm a DeWalt guy through and through. I won't make any qualms about it. I just happen to be. But when it comes to hand tools, I'm a Milwaukee guy. Almost every Milwaukee hand tool I've reviewed, I fell in love with and has become part of my everyday carry. My pry bar, my multi-bit screwdriver, utility knife, all of that is Milwaukee and it's all in my toolbox. So I thought, well, this is a no-brainer. A compact, really cool looking hacksaw made by Milwaukee. What could go wrong? So I picked this guy up and the first thing I noticed is, listen to this. That is this tool-free adjustment there. Now, it it doesn't come apart, but it does wobble a lot. And it, it's a little disconcerting when you're, you know, using it back and forth and <laughs> trying to get in tight spots and this thing's wobbling around. You're always thinking it's going to come apart. Now, this thing has 4.6 stars out of 5, out of 800 reviews on Amazon. People love the product. It works for what it is. I think the biggest problem that I had is that I picked this up expecting to use it as an everyday carry hacksaw when it's more designed for a specialty tool for getting into tight spots you know you know sometimes if you need to cut off say a piece of copper pipe or a piece of pipe and it's too tight of a space for a regular hacksaw so what a lot of times i would do is wrap a hacksaw blade in an old rag and i would work my way back and forth with that well this is really good for this but what it's not really there's a lot of things it's not really good for and that's the problem is it didn't replace my hacksaw now 
it's durable. You know, the cast aluminum construction up here, yes, the, the toolless tool change or the toolless blade change is really cool. You can actually, when you open it up, you can actually adjust the length of the blade into the handle or out of the handle, which is really nice and a really quick way of doing it. I like that as well. So that's not bad. The big rubberized handle is awesome. You know, it fits my big mitt really well. I like that, but it just always seems to be in the way. I actually had the, uh, the, the blade change tool open up a couple of times. That was a real pain in the ass. And it just, you can't get in and cut big pieces of pipe. It, it just doesn't work for me. Now, am I going to keep it and use it in tight spaces? Absolutely. And you're probably, somebody out there hollering at me saying, Tim, but it's not designed as an everyday carry hacksaw. You know what? That's on me. I didn't realize that. I picked this up thinking I could use this for everything I normally use a hacksaw for. And could I? Yes. Is it as good? Absolutely not. If it were 90% as good as a regular hacksaw and only took up this much space, I would keep it in my toolbox. But the problem is, is that almost every time I go to use this, I get mad, I get frustrated, I start swearing. That's why I waited so long. I've had this guy for six months. Usually I only run tools for about a month or so until I'm ready to do a review. But I had to sit on this because I didn't want it to be too negative because it is designed well. It's made for what it's made for. It just wasn't made for what I was looking for. So if you're looking for something that'll get you in tight spots and cut off little things in tight spaces, you can actually almost use it as a flush mount saw. So if you had like tiny little say wood doweling or things you need to cut off you can actually put it right on there and get in there and it works you know it works for that kind of stuff but what it doesn't work for is a full-size hacksaw and it doesn't replace a full-size hacksaw so if you guys were looking for one that did this isn't it so i'm still on the prowl i gotta look for i guess what i need to do is suck it up and realize i need to carry a full-size hacksaw in my toolbox or maybe you guys have found something that's a good compromise between this and a full-size one that would work for me at the time of filming, it's only 15 bucks American on Amazon.com. Those prices go up and down, but I mean, it's, it's cheap. I think I picked this guy up at Home Depot here in Canada. It's available just about anywhere, and the design of it just sticks out. It takes a 10-inch blade, so, but like I said, you can adjust it in or out. It gives you a ton of cutting depth. It just doesn't work for me. I didn't want this review to be too negative because it works. It just isn't a full-sized hacksaw, and I've said that, and you guys know it. And it will work for what you're looking for. Am I going to keep it and keep using it? Yes. Am I going to go look for another hacksaw? Absolutely. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know this is a little bit different. It was more of a, I didn't want to say a negative review, but it, it was. It was it was somewhere in between because this product didn't do what I wanted it to do. I love my Milwaukee hand tools. They're built well, but it just didn't function in the sense that I needed it to. So if you're looking for a hacksaw that'll fit into tight spaces, this will do it. If you're looking for something to replace a full-size hacksaw, shy away from it, not worth it. So now I'm looking for a recommendation, guys, on a full-sized, heavy-duty, lightweight hacksaw. So I figure size-wise, I can't do anything about it, but maybe weight-wise, I can find something maybe made out of carbon fiber or something like that that'll be at least a little bit lighter. Uh, not that, you know, I carry my toolbox all the time, but I've just been trying to pare it down to make sure I've got everything in there that number one is top quality, but number two is either smaller or lighter weight so that I can go because almost always I'm on call. I get a call at the last minute. Hey, Tim, come over here to this rental or that rental. We've got this problem or that problem. And I want a, a compact toolbox that I can just grab and go and it doesn't kill my shoulder to carry it up, you know, three flights of stairs or something like that. So if you've got a recommendation, throw it in the, the link or the uh, comments below, guys. I would appreciate that. And if you're new here and you want to see more videos like this, I got five videos a week, including Talking Tools live stream almost every Sunday night. 
hit the subscribe button, introduce yourself in the comments below. And guys, you know, I always appreciate you hanging out with me in the shop because I know you can spend time anywhere you want and you choose to come and hang out with me. So thanks, guys. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's Saturday morning, which means it's time for another edition of the Weekend Workshop where we deal with preparedness-related items, backup power storage, sometimes tools, security, all kinds of cool things. And this week is no exception. This week I thought it was time to talk about, my wife and I, we have what we call a grab-and-go bag. And it's not like a bug-out bag or anything like that. It's a type of bag that we use every single time we go away to stay a weekend in a hotel. But it also serves the secondary purpose of being a bag that we can take with us in an emergency. I'm going to take you through everything. We just organized it. I'll show you everything we keep in it and our rationale behind it right after this. Alright guys, real quick, if you're new to the channel and you want to know more about who I am, run by toolmantim.co, that's toolmantim.co. You can find all my social media links there. You can find uh, the subscription for the once a month email newsletter, the once a week audio only podcast, and you can find the shop where there's all kinds of interesting items, products that I recommend, things that I've used, links to Amazon products that I've used in my business that have made me money or saved me money and that are solutions to problems, all kinds of different categories like household items, painting supplies, hand tools, power tools, cordless tools, landscaping and preparedness items. So run by there if you're looking for a recommendation on a tool and let me know what you think. Thanks guys. Alright, so this week my wife and I were getting ready to go away for the weekend and we realized that our grab-and-go bag was absolutely a mess. It'd been a few months. We've we've probably gone away five or six times this summer with the kids to different hotels and stuff and we love to travel and we thought, you know, it's time to organize the bag. And I said to the missus, I said, is it okay if I, you know, show our bag and, uh, you know, talk about what it is we've developed over the years? And of course she was fine with that. And you guys know, you know, in the preparedness fields and that sort of thing, bug out bags are all the rage. You know, you need to have absolutely everything you can that you can carry on your back so you can go in the wilderness and live for 12 years. Yeah, well, that's not what we do. That's not what I prepare for. I don't have any plans of going to live in the woods because we don't have any woods. We live in the prairies. However, what is a lot more uh, realistic scenario is, hey, maybe there's a wildfire and the smoke's getting really bad and you need to leave town right away. And so we book a hotel three or four hours south of here, and we need to make sure that we have the stuff that we need on the go. Now, if we happen to be away somewhere, we also keep a very, very minimal vacuum sealed bag underneath the seat in the back of the truck with a change of clothes for each of us, five days worth of prescriptions, and a couple other items like that. I'll do something on that down the road, but this, this bag is something that we developed over I don't know, the last three or four years, because what ended up happening was, Every single time we'd go away somewhere, it didn't matter if it was for a night or three nights, I, not my wife, but me, I would always forget something. And it was either usually something like prescription pills or this guy. Those were the two things, the iPhone charger or my pills. I would always forget them. Or once in a while, we'd go to the city and we'd be like, we're going to shop all day. Then we'd get tired. We'd say, you know what? We're going to spend the night. 
So then we'd have to go buy a bunch of stuff that we didn't think we needed and that sort of stuff. So now, anytime we go to the city, anytime we're going away, we have our grab-and-go bag. Now, my wife wanted something, you know, nice and pretty that looks good when you carry it into the hotel. Because, I mean, I, whatever, I, I, I don't care. I'd use, you know, Sobey's grocery bags for all that matters. But this keeps it nice and contained, and it looks really good. It's got a bunch of different compartments for storing stuff in if you really need to. But for the most part, we figured... This was big enough and it suited what we needed. So of course, what we started with was we put together a list of everything that we use on a regular basis. All of our toiletries, anything that we might need on, say, you know, more than, there's a good chance you'd need it overnight if you were staying somewhere. Not always, things like nail clippers and tweezers and things, but they're really good to have. The women like them, but honestly, it's good for us men to have too sometimes. So we made a list. And then another thing that we really hate is those stupid little travel size containers of things. So you'd get a travel size thing of uh, toothpaste that would be about that big and you'd use, use it twice and it would be empty and you pay just as much for it. So our idea was we wanted to have room enough to have full size of all our toiletries in our bag that we could grab and go and live off of for a week if we needed to. Absolutely a week, no problem. And then the other benefit and bonus to that is it didn't cost us anything you guys know we already prep with our amazon subscription so we always have lots of um, like extra stockpiles of that kind of stuff on hand and we don't need to refill this i think we just finally refilled the shampoos in here after all summer of using it so what exactly do we put in our grab and go bag and of course you know what it's a list so you don't need to worry about i mean don't take this as the gospel truth you might get some ideas in here. You might think, oh, that's a great idea. Or, Tim, that's really dumb. I don't know why you have that in there. But everybody needs to develop their own bag. But I wanted to show you guys my process, and my, my wife and I's process for putting together a grab-and-go bag, basically keeping it small enough that it can sit between the kids in the back seat. It's not in the way. It's easy enough to grab along with the suitcase if you need it. But this is all the stuff so that as soon as we come home from the hotel, if there's something that we emptied out, we put it back in there most times. But the best part about this is everything stays in there and it just sits on the shelf. When we're ready to go, we grab it. I never have to get halfway, you know, three halfway into the three-hour trip and think, did I remember my iPhone charger or did I remember my pills? And then what am I going to do if I did, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what I like about having this. So what exactly do we put in it? Well, first off, I'll just kind of, I'm going to, I unpacked most everything. I'm going to put it back in. You know, there might be things that you think you don't need or do need, but I just, I really like this concept. So the first thing I like about this bag is it flips down and there's a whole storage area in the bottom here. And this is where we keep anything that could leak. It's a little more waterproof, plus if it leaks in the bottom, it's not going to go down through the top on all the other stuff. So, of course, we got conditioner, we got shampoo, a razor, a couple of washcloths, just in case, and then instead of the stupid... Hotel shampoo that always gives somebody, you know, nasty reactions. We keep four bars of our pure ivory soap in there. That way, you're always using the stuff that you normally use. And you don't have to worry about dealing with shampoo, soaps, and that sort of thing. Then we usually throw a cup, well, not usually. We always have toothbrushes in there, but they normally go in the bottom too, just because they tend to be a little bit wet. And if you really want to, you can put your toothpaste in the bottom as well. And that is normally all that goes in the bottom so then that guy just zips right up like that there's really not much to it i know it's a pretty simple process but i know some people really like seeing this kind of stuff so 
Then, of course, we figured, well, what else do we normally use on a regular basis that we'd love to have? And, of course, you know, I don't know what it is with those travel size containers of things, but they're just awful. So, you know, we took our, our deodorants, we threw them in there as well. Full-size deodorants, nothing to worry about. We love to have Q-tips. I don't know if anybody else is like that. Water in your ears. Whenever you're going swimming, the kids always get water in their ears. These seem to help. I know they don't always recommend it, but we always keep a pack in there. And, of course, you can get those. You, what we do sometimes is just take, say, 10 or 12 out and put them in a Ziploc bag instead. But we just we figured we put that box in there, and it's good to go. Never have to worry about it. Extra pack of razor blades because there's nothing worse than getting there with a razor and realizing, oh, that one's dull or rusty. And then you're hooped or you got to go find something else and then you got to use a razor that you don't normally use and you're gonna have a bad time lotion that's for my wife but of course I got to use it to moisturize sometimes too no not really but always good to have especially if you get well anyway you know how it is but moisture moisturizing lotion is good uh, wipes for in the car so in case you spill something or just in the hotel as well kids love to eat ice cream and that sort of stuff <laughs> make a mess good to have a brush for all my you know thick locks of hair not really but the kids that's another one that we'd always forget we'd get to the hotel and we'd be like oh okay girls time to have a shower they'd have a shower and then we'd be like well where's your hairbrush well i thought so and so brought it and i thought she brought it and i thought you brought it anyway never ever happened so we always keep we just buy a couple extra dollar dollarama dollar uh, store brushes keep them in the bag and then you know you absolutely have them uh face washing pads those are great because whenever you travel that's uh, anyway, you know, face is always greasy. And if, say you're bugging out and you've got to go a long ways, four or five days, maybe you have a couple days where you can't have a shower, these are a lifesaver. I cannot stand, well, you know, having a greasy face, so these are really good to have. So we always keep them in the bag as well. Feminine products are always important. I'm not an expert on that kind of stuff, but, you know. Prescriptions. Always make sure, now if you guys haven't heard about the process that I use for prescriptions, uh, real simple, I'll do a, a whole video on it sometime, but there's a really easy way to have, you know, three months worth of prescriptions on hand without it costing you anything else. And basically what you do is you find out how early you can refill your prescription. In my case, my, my company that I'm with allows me to fill my prescription 15 days early. So every three months, every 90 days on my prescriptions, I go in 15 days early and I fill my prescription. I take that 15 pills and I put it in my old empty bottle. I repeat that uh, three, four, four times. If you do that all four times in a year, you know, your 90 day prescriptions four times for a year, you're going to have two months worth of prescriptions. So if you do that for a year and a half, you're going to have a three month supply of prescri prescriptions that doesn't cost you anything extra. Your first one you filled 15 days early, you continue to do that all the way through, but it literally costs you nothing extra. You don't have to go and, you know, fib to the doctor and say, I lost my prescription or anything like that. You just do it that way. Some are seven days, some are 15. And if you can get something even better than that, great. But that, that, that's what I've done. So all, my, all the prescription meds for all of us, right there, all good, of course. And then we always keep, because if you get takeout, we love to order, skip the dishes or Uber Eats or something like that. And what ends up happening is they bring you the food and you never have any cutlery. So then at 9 o'clock at night, you're going running around looking for, you go down to the counter and they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have any in the restaurant's closed in the kitchen, whatever. So we keep miscellaneous bit of cutlery in there. 
It kind of falls down in the wayside. And then we love our hotel soaps. You can't leave without taking a couple with you. So a couple of just absolutely emergency. Say we forgot to load that shampoo or something in there, or we forgot to get our soap. At least we'd have something to wash our hands and face. But a couple mini bottles of shampoo and a mini bar of soap. That just sits in there to be safe. Uh, eye drops, ear drops, and multi-purpose polysporin drops. Those are great, especially when the kids are swimming. Maybe they get swimmer's ear or they get their eyes irritated or something. Always good to have on the road. Say you're dry, that kind of thing. Whenever we order wings, I try to save a few of these wet nap packages. These are great. Throw those in there as well. Chapstick, because it always seems like when you're traveling, for whatever reason, your lips and everything get dry. My wife has to have this, but we always keep an extra one in there because that, of all the things, I'm usually the forget just about everything my wife this is the one she always forgets so i always try to make sure we have one of these in our grab and go bags tylenol just in case you get headaches traveling always good to have usually throw a couple of advil in there in case you happen to rent your back or something like that but just a few my wife usually has a bigger bottle in her purse but this is nice to have this everything in here is the just in case i have nothing else there's enough in here to get me by for a few days uh, that's some melatonin sleep spray. That works really good if the kids are really worked up or if you're just having a hard time sleeping. We always keep that in there because sometimes in strange hotels, you just don't sleep very good. Like I said, nail clippers, those are in my wife's purse right now. Tweezers, also good. There's nothing worse than getting a sliver or a splinter in your hand and having nothing but your neck knife to try to pick at it. So these are without a doubt good to have. Here's another one for you guys who have lots of ladies in your family. These uh, ponytails or hair elastics, we usually keep a bunch of them in here because they disappear. They're like, I don't even know what the male equivalent of these would be, but women, my, the women in my family are always looking for them. So we always try to keep a bunch in here and they're good for other things too. But honestly, the best thing is, well, actually here's one. If your uh, bathing suit tears or gets stretched on the back for the girls, I've used these to tie them up before. So that is all that we put in there for that. And then, of course, emergency power for your phone. So the first thing that's really good to have is one or two uh, iPhone or Android chargers, whatever you happen to use. Uh, we usually throw an AC adapter on there just in case. But honestly, what we normally end up doing is using our Anchor Bricks. That's the slim one, the 10,000, and that's the 20,000. Uh, and that, normally, because if you find in hotels, a lot of them, don't have real accessible plugs. They're either down behind the bed or down behind the nightstand. And this short little cord isn't enough to make it work. We used to travel with like a three or six foot uh, cheap extension cord as well. That was just one more thing to forget or get in the way. So we swapped over to these anchor power bricks. So then you can just plug it in, hold it if you want to use it while you're in bed or leave it on your nightstand and plug your phone in and you're good to go because there's nothing worse than traveling. And something else we notice is when we travel, we use our phone for the GPS like crazy. And what does that do? That drains our phone like in way better. And sometimes it seems, of course, when you're traveling, it's switching in and out of different um, cell zones and towers. It seems to drain your battery a little more too. And taking more pictures on vacation. So you're always putting a higher drain, at least we are, on our cell phones when we're traveling. So it's good to have. I tried to just get one power brick, but it, it turns out that the kids like to steal mine as well. So we keep two. Two is one, one is none, you know, all that jazz. So that goes in there as well. And that is all that we put in here. It's something small enough that we can grab and go, throw it in the back seat of the truck and not have to worry about it. But the whole process behind this, and 
you guys know just about everything I do in preparedness, it, it has to have an everyday effect on your life. So, you know, it's all good and well to have a bug out bag that's, you know, a 60 pound rucksack that you put on your back and it has fire making capabilities and a life straw in it and whatever else. But it's all stuff that you might have spent thousands of dollars on. And hey, if you have that money, I don't begrudge it at all. But it might be something you spend thousands of dollars on that literally sits in the bag for the one day that you might think you might have to bug out to the middle of nowhere that probably will never happen in your 80 years of lifetime. But this bag, this grab and go bag is almost every bit as good as a bug out bag for us. I mean, it has everything in there that we could basically, you know, if we didn't mind wearing the same clothes for a couple of days, this would at least help keep us, you know, hygienic and clean. And the best part about it is it's ready to go and we use it every single time we go away for a weekend with the kids, you know, to a hotel or a cabin or even when we go camping, we can pack that and take it with us. And to me, that is worth its weight in gold. To, to me, that is way better. Having a grab-and-go bag that looks good that we can take into a hotel with us is way better than having a backpack sitting in a corner gathering dust just in case the shit hits the fan someday. And hey, if you want to do both, great. But for us, it's all about being practical and having your preparedness bleed over into your everyday life because if it's something you use on a regular basis, if you ever needed to go somewhere in a hurry, in an emergency, you're already familiar with everything you have in here. You've got redundancy built in and you're comfortable with the system you've got built. And you know it works because you've tested it over and over and over again. Because, you know, I mean, some people, yes, some people use those great big bug out bags like crazy. But there's other people who just, you know, decide they want to be mall ninjas and they go out and they buy everything and they never, ever use it. So that's why I like this because we use it. It's tested, it's tried, it's true, and it does its trick. So, guys, what do you think? I don't know. Do you guys have bug out bags, grab and go bags? I like calling it a grab and go bag because honestly, that's what it's for. It's to grab and go no matter where we go. It doesn't matter if we're going for a night or if we think there's even a 20% chance we might end up spending the night somewhere. We just grab it, throw it in the truck, and we're good. We also have, like I said, that emergency clothing and stuff underneath the back seat that's kind of a backup to a backup. But that's all sealed up and we don't open that unless we absolutely have to. But this works for us. But if you have any suggestions, if there's anything you say, hey, Tim, you might have forgot this or this is something I use on a regular basis, let me know because I love hearing from you guys. And if you have suggestions for other videos like this, let me know as well because this is the type of thing I'm passionate about, I enjoy sharing about, I like teaching about, but I also like learning. And if you guys share with me, then I learn and then I in turn can turn back and share it all with you guys. So thanks guys. And you know, I always appreciate it because I know you have you can spend your time anywhere you want and you choose to come here and hang out with me in the workshop. So thank you for that. And if you're new here and you want to hang around, first off, hit the subscribe button. Five videos a week we have coming out on this channel. But beyond that, introduce yourself down in the comments below. Everybody here likes to get to know other people. So let us know who you are, what your expertise is, what you'd like to learn, any video ideas you'd like to see. And I'd never mind covering topics 10 times over because there's always new people. There's always new ways of looking at things. So that's it for me this week, guys. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's Sunday night, which means it's time for our next edition of 
Talking Tools, our live stream. Thanks for dropping by, guys. If you're new here or you're watching this on the replay and you want to know a little bit more about who I am and what I do, run by toolmantim.co. That's toolmantim.co. All kinds of cool stuff over there. You guys know, most of you who are in here, I got a ton of recommended products. I always get asked, hey, Tim, what do you recommend for this or that or the other thing? So run by toolmantim.shop or just select the shop section in the website and you'll see over 100 Amazon links to stuff I've used. So check it out over there, guys. All right. So guys, this week is another edition of the Q&A Roundup. I went back through all my social media links, uh, through my different video channels and collected the best questions that people have asked me this week, this month, sorry. And I thought it was time to do a recap, try to bring it all together and share some cool stuff with you. So let's dive right in. So the first one was from Frank Starr. He wanted to know, uh, this was over on Float. So if you guys haven't checked out Float before, I love the platform. It's one of the best as far as I'm concerned, one of the best social media platforms out there. It's creator-centric, and anyway, take a minute, check it out, F-L-O-T-E dot app. Anyway, Frank wanted to know the best way to hang a battery-powered light on a ceiling without drilling a hole. So it turned out, I talked to Frank a little bit more about this afterwards, and he ended up having, ah, oh, evening, Joseph, how are you? Just you and I in here so far, there'll be more, they're coming. <laughs> So he needed to know, uh, Frank wanted to know what the best way to mount a battery powered light on a ceiling without drilling a hole would be. And so of course, I always go back to my my good old 3M Velcro strips and those things, I, I swear would stick your hand to your head if you wanted to. Uh, so anyway, basically, but when he come back, he said there's it's kind of popcorn seal and it's old stuff. So I guess one of the recommendations I made is if you could find a, a small flat spot in the ceiling, scrape some of that junk away, make yourself a little bit of a, a space, a flat space with the, the best part is no dirt and no loose dust and debris. And then those things will stick really, really well. So he's going to report back to me, let me know how it worked for him. But as far as trying to, he had a kind of a dead spot or a, a dark spot in a room that had no electricity, didn't want to run extension cords. So just really needed a way to, to hang a battery powered light without drilling any holes. So We'll try it. I told him to try those 3M Velcro strips. We'll go from there, but I think they'll work for him. So Josh on float, also on float, was looking for an anchor that'll hold up a towel bar for a seven-year-old using it as a gym bar. So this is kind of funny because this is the exact same situation that I got into. I had a customer who called me up a few months back and wanted to know if I could fix their towel bar because they're seven or eight-year-old at the time constantly hung on it and used it as a gym bar. I was pulling it out of the wall. They tried to fix it. They couldn't do anything with it. So anyway, I ended up, they, you, you'll find these over on the shop as well, where I've got them listed, but they're, they're basically a zip tie toggle or a pull toggle. You drill a hole, insert the entire plastic and metal piece in, pull it tight, snap it off. And the thing is rated for like 200 pounds. It's been up for at least six months now, the kids have hung on the towel bars and they work like a dream, but they're just uh, like a zip toggle is what they're called. And man, have they ever worked? They work great for me whenever I've got a, a high impact thing. Although I don't think I would use the towel bar as a gym bar, but whenever there's something where the kids are hanging off it, that's definitely my go-to. So Rob sent me a PM over on Instagram the other day. 
And he had an interesting question. It's actually something I've dealt with in the past as well. And he wanted to know how to get a whole bunch of broken fine glass out of grass. <laughs> so they basically had, it was like a three foot section in the backyard where some real fine glass had broken and shattered and everything was just kind of out of place. He couldn't get it, didn't know how to clean it up. So a couple of summers ago, I got a call from a lady who they'd had a fire. Uh, their trailer caught fire that they brought most of their belongings in to move into the new house. And what had happened was uh, some of the windows in the trailer shattered from the heat and there was just a fine glass all through the grass there. So she wanted me to use a power rake, which I didn't have. So we decided to go around and just give it a really, really good, heavy, fine, like with a, a fine rake, but a heavy rake with it to try to get rid of all that broken glass. And it just didn't work. We went three times, tried, couldn't do it. She ended up calling us back and saying she wasn't happy with the job, which doesn't happen very often. So we went back, give it three more rakes, give it a mow on a really short setting with the bag. And then we ended up getting down on her hands and knees, picking glass out of the grass. And then we eventually used a shop vac and the shop vac was the best thing. So I ended up telling Rob, hey, just go right to the shop vac because it was just a small patch and it ended up working pretty good for him. So yeah, <laughs> if you ever got fine glass particles mixed around in grass, there's no easy way to do it. It was one of the few times I ever got called back on a job. But, you know, I guess just taking the time, going over it a bunch of times and it's kind of funny to think that you might uh, use a shop vac on grass to pick up glass, but it absolutely worked for us. So I hope that helps, Rob. And John Doe, I always love that one because, well, we don't really know who he is. He's told me before who he is and I can't remember, but his YouTube username is John Doe. And he wanted to know how I structure pricing for Ikea furniture assembly. And, you know, when I first got started, it was always the same. I, I just charged a flat rate, which was way too low when I got started. And I found out that I really wasn't making a lot of money off it. So normally now I just charge a flat rate per piece. And if it's of any size, anything, basically a dresser or up, it's at least $100 flat rate. And then people know I don't have to rush. They know what they're going to pay. And most times I end up finishing the job in an hour, hour and a half anyway. And that's a pretty good pay. But as far, I mean, you got to find out, uh, John, what your market will dictate. But don't underprice yourself because... <laughs> As Joseph knows too, or at least he's heard me talk about it before too, <laughs> um, Ikea furniture can be frustrating. And just because it looks like a small package doesn't mean there isn't 400 items in there that all need to be put together. So always, if you're not sure, price on the high side, be a little uncomfortable with your price because it's important. The last thing you want to be doing is trying to get through the Ikea furniture quick because you literally underbid it by way, way too much. So you, yeah, take your time, develop a good pricing structure. But for me, it's basically a flat rate per piece and it needs to be worth my time. And honestly, if you can make about a hundred bucks an hour putting this stuff together, it's worth it because the only thing more frustrating than walking through an Ikea store is putting together Ikea furniture. So make sure it's worth your time. So Thomas, uh, Thomas T on YouTube, he wanted to know how long Decon 30, uh, how long the smell lingers. So if any of you guys, uh, 
who are, you know, the ones that follow me, you've probably heard me talk about Decon 30 before, but it's basically, a, it's not, I, I guess it's biodegradable. It's an all natural cleaner. I did a review quite a few months back. It's really expensive. It's a hospital grade disinfectant. And we had that big rental where the young couple basically locked their dogs in the master bedroom on the hardwood floor and they left them in there for days on end. And it was a mess, just wrecked the floor. And the, uh, the homeowner wanted me to attempt to get that smell out of there. So we ended up using this Decon 30. She did some research, found it, said it worked really well. So I bought it and ended up using it. And, and it does, it kind of has a, an iodine-y smell. Uh, it kind of smells like when you've gone through the hospital just after they've disinfected something. And it's a really nice smell. It doesn't bother me, but um, John, uh, Thomas is having um, an insurance company or a reclamation company coming in to do a bunch of work in his place. And he's just kind of concerned about the smell kicking around. And to be honest, I oversaturated everything trying to get that awful dog mess smell out of there. And for about 48 hours afterwards, the smell really permeated the air. It was there for a long time. It doesn't bother me that much, but... You know, if, if, if it's something that really gets under your skin, you might not like that smell. I can see where it'd be an issue. But for about a week afterwards, it kind of lingered in the air. For about two days, it was really strong. And for about a week afterwards, it was just kind of hanging around. Kind of like if you if you really tried to smell it, you could smell it. But, you know, trying to describe the smells over, uh, you know, a YouTube live stream can be difficult. But for me, a couple of days and the smell kind of mellowed out into the background. So I hope that helps too. Uh, Ramsey Bolton, uh, this is a good name if you guys are uh, Game of Thrones fans, but he, he sent me a question this week on the Furman Tri-Fuel Generator. Got a bunch of questions on there. That uh, Those videos are blowing up again. We're getting about, uh, one of them's getting about a thousand views every two days and the other one's getting about 600. So that's really helping our channel. So thanks guys. <laughs> um, and he wanted to know how dirty the power really was. So if you're not sure what exactly they're asking about here, there's a thing called total harmonic distortion when it comes to generators. And that's basically how jagged the power is. And if you look at some of the, you know, what they call the uh, inverter generators, they have a very clean sine wave of power. And if you look at it on a graph, it's just nice and round. And some of these bigger ones like the Furman that I recommend, they have more of a, a jagged kind of power. It's nice, but it's not the real clean power that you'd get from the grid or from a, a, an inverter generator. So I, I messaged the company because I had to know. And it turns out that theirs is around, there's a lot of rumors on the internet that it was like 25, 30%, which is just awful. You'd never want to put any electronics through it. But they, they told me that it's between 11 and 14% maximum. It doesn't ever go above that. And I can say from our own personal experience here, we ran electronics on that generator didn't have any problems. We were in a flat screen television and our Wi-Fi uh, modem and both worked excellent. So it seems like it's a decent generator for uh, electrical, electronics, but we'll see. I, I never had a problem with it. That That is high for some real sensitive electronics. You might want to get something to clean the power up or use a universal power supply in line for your high-end electronics. But as far as how well it's worked for us, yeah, that, that 11 to 14% hasn't been bad. And I got a question, uh, maybe it was just even yesterday, from Kyle Knight over on MeWe. And he wanted to know what cordless mic I recommend. 
And I, I talked about it on the uh, Survival Podcast interview a while back, the one that I use, but it, it's the Fafine, <laughs> I always say that, and it sounds like I'm stuttering, but the Fafine cordless uh, lapel mic. And it's a really nice mic, but you need to buy an adapter to make it work with your um, iPhone. So I'll put links in the description when the video finally posts, and I'll uh, that way you can see what you need. And, but it, it's been great for me as far as... I've had it about a year and a half now, and it just absolutely works. I love it. It's worked really well. The only issue I had was uh, kind of funny, and I might have told you guys this story before, but I, I had it. I worked with it for a month, and I would shoot a video. I'd have like a half an hour of footage. I was like, yeah, I kicked ass, got a good video done. I'd go to review the footage, and there was like, it would cut in, it would cut out. It would sound like aliens were landing. I don't know. It was awful, and I had no idea what was causing it. So I was ready to send it back. I was ready to go back to using some crappy hardwired microphone. And I decided to unplug my garage door opener. It was an old one that would randomly open on its own on occasion. And that's what the issue was. So as soon as I eliminated that interference, this thing has worked like a charm for me. So yeah, if you're looking for a cheap but high quality cordless mic that works for filming and video, that Fafine cordless mic, yeah, top notch, worked great. Oh, and uh, he sent along too. He's got a, um, well, I say YouTube, a content channel over on Odyssey, and it's All Night Homestead, and that's A-L-L-K-N-I-G-H-T, Homestead. So check him out over there. Uh, I just popped by to see it earlier today. I didn't have much time to check it all out, but I'm going to. So yeah, if you uh, get a minute, drop by and check him out over on Odyssey. And uh, I thought this was pretty cool, guys. I haven't seen Ted in tonight but they're probably out celebrating the Labor Day weekend down in Florida, but he made the jump over to MeWe. So for anybody who's watching it on the replay, if you're interested in finding a platform that is very similar to Facebook, but it's a lot more open, you don't get warnings on absolutely everything that you post, you're not accused of being some kind of, you know, criminal preparedness, not that kind of thing. Go by, check out MeWe. There's a lot of good groups, a lot of good communities over there. I uh, got Ted set up with quite a few uh, contacts now, and he seems to be really liking it. So, because he decided, I think, basically to give Facebook the boot. And yeah, so he's over there, seems to be liking it. If he drops in tonight, I will uh, ask him how he's making out. But the last time he touched base with me, he said he was doing really well. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Cope over on MeWe, messaged me a couple of weeks ago, and he wanted to know how well the sand filter held up on the pool. The So uh, I know this might be hard to believe for some of you out there, but we've already taken our pool down because the leaves are starting to fall. The overnight temperatures are getting close to freezing and fall is in the air. We're one of those weird places where, you know, I guess pumpkin spice could start in the uh, third week of August because once fall starts, that's it. But for what it's worth, the sand filter worked really well. It kept my pool clean uh, as long as I kept the proper chemicals in there. I uh, wanted to know what size the pool was. It was a 14 by 48. But the sand filter took it from me needing to wash out those little cartridge filters every day. And it allowed me to basically only have to backwash it about once a week. It was a bit of an investment up front, but it took so much work out of the pool maintenance schedule for me. So... Yeah, if you guys are looking at one single upgrade to make to a pool down the road, 
that'll absolutely just save time because there's nothing I hate worse than having to go out and tinker with a pool all night and all day. Check it out. The, any one of those sand filters, they're basically universal. I think most of them are made in the same kind of factory. But yeah, grab one of those and it, it made a big difference. So uh, Crypto Anarchism, that's a cool name. This one was over on MeWe. So I posted last week, and I'm going to do a probably a whole live stream on emergency communications during power outages as well. But we had, um, there's a big thing here in Alberta and BC where they'd lost um, cell service for quite a while. So I just posted the warning to everybody to say, hey, look what happened. Something I don't always think about. It's really good to have backup plans. And he recommended a service called VoIP. Let me see, VoIP.ms. And it's basically a, a um, calling over internet service that works through Wi-Fi. You don't have to have cell data or cell coverage. So, you know, in the rare instance where cell towers are down, but you still have your Wi-Fi, which it seems like you don't normally have both down at the same time too often, as long as you have backup power. So I've been digging through this system and it looks pretty good. Maybe a little complicated, but it's basically cheap and pay as you go. So if you're looking for a system that'll help you make real phone calls during real emergencies, this looks like it might be one of the ways that you can absolutely keep in contact with other people, check with your utilities, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I got some recommendations here too, which are kind of cool. Um, this R.W. Stark, he's been posting a lot on some of my videos over on YouTube and seems to be full of some really good information. So we, I had a chat with some guys on Zello a while back. Uh, that's one of the communities that I'm involved with through the Survival Podcast. And we got talking about soft starts for uh, high drain devices like Central Air that will allow you to run your central air system with a generator that isn't made for the high peaks that sometimes the central air will make when it cuts in or cuts out. So um, anyway, R.W. Stark has a whole video on it, whole, uh, basically was talking about the whole setup and he recommended a micro air easy start 368. <laughs> so that is a mouthful, but I wanted to get that in the video in case anybody was interested in looking for one of those things, because uh, that's going to be one of our next big big purchases, although they're not that expensive, but is getting a soft start put on the air conditioner so that we can run our four-ton central air unit during a power outage, just in case. It's about 400 bucks Canadian for one of those soft starts. Um, they're available in different places, about 250 American, something like that. So if you, yeah, if you're looking for one of those, definitely check it out. And then he threw in another tip on another one of my videos, and I thought this one was kind of cool. So I believe it was on the Gen 10 video. Basically, the idea is keeping your generator weatherproof or weather-free uh, during inclement weather, right? And he said that he, he takes and covers all the exposed metal on his generator with new finish car polish, and it causes the water to all bead off. Nothing absorbs, nothing gets in, and it's kept it like new. So I thought that was kind of a cool tip. I may end up doing kind of a community sourced uh, generator tip video down the road. And if I do, that one will be included. So thanks, Stark. A couple good ones there. Uh, and RoboBland over on YouTube. I thought this one was something maybe I should share too. You guys know I love my DeWalt pole saw. And they just wanted to let people know kind of the 
I don't know if it was a bad experience. Anyway, they just picked one up. They were just getting uh, used to it. And as they were cutting through it, uh, and this is something that can happen. It was a fairly large limb. It kind of rotated 90 degrees and dropped straight down on them. Didn't hit, from what I can tell, didn't hurt them. But it was just one of those things that they said, hey, new user, sometimes it's one of those, just be careful. Uh, as you cut, they do tend to want to roll. Most times they roll away from you, but it's just something to be cognizant of for sure. So uh, Matt Matt over on YouTube, uh, that's another one that makes me sound like I'm uh, stuttering. So uh, anybody who's listening on the replay later on, he recommended, uh, he uses battery powered motion sensor lights, but didn't say what brand he used. So if anybody has a recommendation for battery powered motion sensor lights, send them my way because I would love to set up a few of those either for security or for, again, power outage redundancies, that sort of thing. But if anybody's run through any, seen any in Amazon or uh, Home Depot, anything like that, I wouldn't mind uh, getting a recommendation for sure. And uh, Jay Giffen, uh, another question on the gen tents. They wanted to know those generator tents, if they help with the noise at all. And no, I don't think they do. <laughs> I never really did a test on it but they really don't seem to, there, there's nothing, there's nothing attached to them that's going to help kind of negate that loud noise that's coming out of the generator's um, exhaust pipe. So, you know, it might be something to look at to build a, an enclosure if, if it's an issue for you, if you want to get in and uh, get the, the noise cut back, maybe um, something that's, well, we talked about it in previous live streams for sure, but you're going to need to get some insulation, some soundproofing insulation that's also fireproof or heatproof and build yourself a little generator enclosure. That's definitely on my to-do list for the next six to eight months is some sort of semi-permanent enclosure for the generator, but we'll see. Anyway, yeah, that gen tent, it's great for what it does, but it, there's no soundproofing there at all. And then Ken, uh, you guys all know Ken Cornelius. He always has a ton of good tips for me. He saw the review on the forearm forklifts and he's going to get a pair and test them out to see how well they move logs around because he has a sawmill. And I thought that is great because a lot of times logs, you know, they've got one end that's a little curled up or something. And if you can get the strap underneath of it, I think he'll have no problem kind of shifting and rotating some of that heavy stuff because like a lot of us, you know, Ken's not a spring chicken anymore, just like we are. And uh, our bodies, you know, they don't hold up like they used to. And I'm still fighting with this friggin' nasty back I threw out. But anyway, so anything that you can help uh, use to, to make your life a little easier and make your back a little bit better, go at it. So, yeah, I look forward to Ken reporting back on that for sure, because I know he, he probably has quite a few logs with the sawmill that he needs to uh, manhandle. And uh, I think those forearm forklift straps would be a good addition for him. Uh, Mr. Max over on YouTube wanted to know what type of oil uh, needed to be uh, put in the Furman generator. Uh, it's simple. It was 10W30. I dug that up out of the um, owner's manual for him. But yeah, simple, not non-synthetic 10W30. Not much more we need to say about that. Uh, and Triple, I can never pronounce this, Kokurik. Triple Kokurik on YouTube uh, wanted to say something. I, I did the review a couple weeks ago on those Diablo pruning blades. And something I didn't mention and never thought of was he said the pruning blades are way better on fence rows. So if you're trying to clean 
you know, overgrowth, uh, junk and stuff away from barbed wire fence or, you know, a page wire fence, anything like that, they're way safer because the first thing a chainsaw is going to do is grab a hold of that chain or the, uh, the mesh fence and suck it right into that chain. And then you're going to have a bad day. But with those pruning blades, they don't catch the fence like that. So I thought that was a really cool recommendation. Uh, I hadn't, or maybe, maybe recommendations, the wrong word there, but I thought it was a really neat uh, tip that I hadn't thought of. There was quite a bit of uh, feedback I got on those Diablo blades of stuff. I hadn't really given a huge thought to. So anyway, thanks triple for sharing that. And I kind of wanted to pass that along. And if you're listening on the podcast, I thought that'd be a really good tip to throw in there for you too. Uh, Bill Voss over on YouTube, he sent me a question and he wanted to know, what the break-in period for generators were, and in particular, what it was for the Furman. And a lot of a lot of companies recommend sometimes, like as low as after 10 or 20 hours, they say, hey, you need to change the oil, and then every 100 hours after that, or whatever it happens to be. But with the Furman, they recommend 50 hours on your first runtime, which is a heck of a lot of runtime for a generator for the break-in process, and then every 100 after that. So about half of your initial um, time, so 50, and then after that, 100, and you're good to go. And, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, uh, Barry, the thought criminal over on Float, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, I love that name, he asked if I'd, um, I'd, I've done a few reviews on battery chargers, wireless chargers, and things like that, and he had a big concern on EMFs, electromagnetic fields, and he wanted to know if I'd tested any of them to see how strong they were. And of course, my answer was no, because I don't have an EMF detector, but I wouldn't be opposed to picking one up if there was some interest there for people wondering about that kind of stuff. So anyway, he does use one himself. Hadn't tested, of course, some of those battery packs, but he recommended the Tri-Field TF2. So if anybody's interested in that, I love picking up weird electronic gear that uh, really helps you dig into, I, it just helps me do better reviews for you guys. So if there is uh, an interest in that, just throw it in the comments and say, hey, yeah, I'd love to know what the, the EMF ratings are on some of these wireless chargers because it's a concern to me. So anyway, something I'm looking at. And the last question for this week uh, came from Captain Fantastic. And I and this was over on Float. And I love his name because it's one of my favorite movies. Anyway, and he, it was a cool question. He, he asked, what do you do with all the stuff that you get from the empty properties? And if you saw, we did a bank property recently and actually had one of my best finds uh, in a long time. I, I found a, an autographed Vince Carter basketball card with a piece of his jersey in it. Uh, sells for right around $400. So that was an awesome find. I've got that up on eBay right now. I, I listed it pretty high. So if it doesn't sell, I'll just drop the price down. And then I got a John Bellevue. Uh, he's an old hockey player. Um, uh, a jersey card of his as well. Not worth as much, but it's kind of fun. So... First off, I try to keep a really close eye on the small stuff because the small stuff doesn't take up any space. And I know you've heard me say before, but for a long time, we used to save everything. Didn't matter what it was. If it was, if we thought we could make a little bit of money off it, we would save it. And it ended up, you know, the garage got overrun, the sea can got overrun. And it was just miserable because we just had so much junk. And you feel bad, you know, you'd love to be able to, give some of it away to somebody who might need it 
but it's just, you just don't have the space for it. We even rented a, or leased a second Seacan uh, for the business just so we could keep some of the good furniture in there. And, you know, we, we post some of it, sell some of it. We had a good step climber we sold a while back, but honestly, I've gotten to the point where 99.9% .9 of the stuff goes to the landfill simply because I just don't have the time, the energy or the space to hold on to it. But I am going to do a video down the road on some of the best finds I have had, and it does tend to be some of the smaller little things that tend to be worth quite a bit. So those are a lot of fun. I'll do like a top 10 video, tell the stories of where it all comes from. But yeah, almost everything. And you can never tell, you know, you look and you think, okay, this is going to be a really good find, or that's going to be a really good find, and it might be worth something. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The last one we got some guitar amps out of, and I thought, oh, those are going to be great. And they're all about $100 brand new. So by the time you sell them, you know, if you make 40 or 50 bucks on each one, it's good. But sometimes, yeah, anyway, I wouldn't throw that kind of stuff away. But 95% of what comes out of those, they, they go to the dump, the landfill. And the small stuff, the collectibles, things like that, I, I try to throw them up on eBay or throw them on Facebook Marketplace and, you know, make a quick buck. I normally try to price them to sell because I don't want to keep them around. But once in a while, it's fun to kind of push your luck and see how much money you can make off something. So uh, a few things. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has noticed, uh, and maybe it's only in our area of the world, but my God, aren't there a lot of hornets this year? Like to the point where they have just, they seem to be everywhere. And you always feel like you're sitting on a hornet's nest somewhere, but there's just no hornet's nest around. So anyway, my wife made these incredible homemade hornet traps because you can't get any hornet spray at any of the stores around here. You can't get any hornet traps because they're literally sold out. But basically, it's just a pop bottle. You cut the, the top neck off so it makes kind of a funnel. You put some sweet beverage in the bottom, then put the top back on. And it's important to seal it with tape so the little buggers can't get up and out. But I'm going to put a picture up on social tomorrow. Uh, Becky, my wife there, she put a few out and I think maybe they've been out there for about 24 hours and there must be a hundred hornets in each one. So it, it really works. So the, it works better than some of the store-bought traps that I've used in the past. So anyway, I'll throw that up there, but if anybody's in the same kind of boat that we're in here, like we just can't get any hornet spray, can't get any hornet traps, nothing because there's just been so damn many of them. But anyway, um, DeWalt, there were some cool rumors this week. Um, you guys know I like my little DeWalt battery topper. But the problem is it feels kind of old-fashioned. You just throw it on there and you have a couple of slow USB ports to charge some devices with. Anyway, the the British or the, yeah, the, the DeWalt Owners Group of England, it's a Facebook page. They seem to end up getting a lot of um, scoops on some upcoming products. Anyway, they, they leaked or put out some pictures the other day and I thought it was really cool. I'm going to do a short on it later on this week, but it's an upgraded DeWalt battery topper. Now, before we get all carried away, it's still not as good as the Milwaukee top off. It doesn't have a 110 outlet in it, but what it does have is it's replacing one of the USB ports with a USB-C high capacity, high speed charger. You're going to be able to charge laptops and things like that. And it is, I think, going to be a 100-watt output. So it's going to be incredible. Anyway, I'm pretty excited about it. It's still not as good as the Milwaukee Top-Off. I'm kind of sad about that. But, yeah, it's still pretty cool. Uh, 
later on this week, keep an eye out for any of you guys who follow me on float. I got asked by um, the higher ups over there to do an ask me anything, which is basically like a text-based interview. Uh, so I'm going to be putting some time together where they're going to kind of promote that and across the platform and just do a whole bunch of preparedness related questions, entrepreneurship related questions, just things like that. So I'm kind of excited. Uh, and if you guys have any questions, feel free to throw them at me over there. I would be great to get the ball rolling. Uh, and later on this week, I got contacted by the Atlantis Gazette. Uh, it's kind of a neat little project that a guy's putting together on Instagram. He's going to do an Instagram live interview with me, I believe later this week. So that's kind of cool. I'll definitely make sure those links get put up so you guys can check it out if you're interested. Um, and this one was really cool. It's a little different news item than I maybe necessarily always talk about, but uh, the new iPhone 13, you know, everything's at the rumor stage right now, but it's supposed to be coming out soon. And there's a lot of talk that they're going to have uh, LEO satellite comms built in. So that's low earth orbit uh, satellite communications built into the new iPhones. So I'm kind of excited about that because how cool would that be? I mean, even, of course, I'm sure you're going to have to pay for it. And I don't know, there, there hasn't been a whole lot of information put out there yet about it, but just the fact that they're even mulling that idea over will be great because there is yet another outlet for communication if the power's down. And <laughs> if all the satellites are down, we've got, we're all having a way worse day than we need to worry about. But how cool would it be to have satellite comms built in to your smartphone? So now you've got, you know, wireless, uh, cell phone communication, landline communication, Wi-Fi communication, and possibly satellite communication. Uh, you know, that could be the, the death kneel of ham radio. Well, not really, of course, there's always a need for that kind of stuff, but how awesome would it be to have satellite communication built in? I like that. I'm sure there's nefarious reasons that it could be used for too, but I like having that idea in there. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week or not, but I, I put together a big 16 by 24 deck in the backyard for the hot tub. Uh, we got the new eight person hot tub lifted over in the backyard, hooked up now. The electrician was here this week, got it all running. And of course, the wife and I have tested it out a bunch of times. So <laughs> yes, yeah, I thought, sorry, Joseph, I missed your uh, comment there. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it was just something I ran across, um, I don't know, earlier this week, but I, I would love it. I mean, you would think on the prairies that, you know, cell service would go absolutely everywhere and there wouldn't be an issue with that. But I all I can tell you is, our service is not bad, but it's spotty at times. Like, because basically the fact that we're really flat, they just kind of put a tower up really high and shoot it out there. But there's no consideration for low spots or, you know, going down into coolies or dips in the road or, or little valleys and stuff. And there's spots like my house here doesn't get real good cell service at the best of times. So yeah, I'm, I, I don't, let's see. So I believe they're adding the portrait style photography that they have now with the blurry. Oh, that is, I love the portrait mode. <laughs> I don't know why. And of course, you know me, I love to take pictures of my chihuahuas too. And when they added the portrait mode for pets this time, uh, I was quite happy, but that will, oh my goodness, won't that make video look so nice? So I got to, yeah, it's cool. I, I mean, I'm probably not going to run out and well, I know I'm not going to run out and upgrade to the 13 right away. I'm, I've been super happy with the 12 and I'm, pretty sure you're using the 12 too, aren't you, Joseph? But um, 
the the video quality has just been out of this world. Like I don't even really shoot in 4K. I I do almost everything. Well, sorry, shouldn't say that. I shoot in 4K and then I down convert it to 1080p. And I've been happy with that because if I leave it in 4K, it takes me forever to upload my videos. So yeah, I don't see a need to upgrade yet, but it, yeah, 12 Pro, that's what I used to. And I love it. I love the zoom lens on it. It's just been a, an all around good phone for me. So yeah. And I love the idea of the satellite comms. I think it'll be great. I, I hope it turns out to be um, not just a, one of them flash in the pan ideas that they're just considering. They're actually going to do it, but I think it would be great. And I mean, you never know. You could be in a spot where you just, you know, your, your car might've broke down. There's no cell service and you can just click the button and say, Hey, I'm going to text or call through um, satellite comms. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. 1080p. And honestly, I probably should anyway, because it would just save me more uh, on the phone. It just seems to natively go to 4k. I'm going to swap it back, but because like I said, it just, man, 4k, uh, I don't know. It, it's not like, I, I don't even, I'm not doing nature photography or anything. You know, I'm just some guy in my shop talking 1080p is plenty fine for that. And it just seems like such a waste bandwidth to upload 4k video when what I do doesn't really warrant it. I don't think, but you know, and, uh, I know Joseph saw it, but I'll throw this in here for everybody else. But my big project this summer has been putting siding on the house in the garage. And I thought I was going to finish today. And I was like four pieces of siding short. And of course, since nobody's stocking anything lately, uh, it's going to be at least two weeks, maybe three before I can get the four pieces of siding that I need to finish my house. But it is what it is. So when you estimate and you think you're going to have enough and you estimate again and you think you're going to have enough, maybe add another 10% to that. I probably should have, but that's okay. The house is almost done. And one kind of cool thing about the channel, uh, just before I come on live tonight, I hit 150,000 views. So I thought that was kind of cool. So I just wanted to say thank you to you guys, uh, because honestly, if there, if you guys weren't there, I wouldn't have any views. And what did just say? I should for my studio main camera, since I do so much post-production with zooming and things, 4K would help it. Yeah, that is true. That's the big thing. Hey, um, like, thank you, man. <laughs> I like the balloon. That's cool. Yeah, the, yeah, the zooming, definitely, you do lose a little bit of resolution. And I've noticed that a bit when I uh, do the, the video in video. But a lot of times it's pretty small when I start. And I do zoom in a little, but it would be nice to have that extra bandwidth or definition in the video to be able to maybe zoom in and just do a few more neat little cuts and things like that. But, but you know me, I'm not real heavy on editing anyway. I, I, I tend to get up there, do my yakking, cut out my M's and O's a little bit and call it a day. But it, uh, yeah, you know, I, it is nice. Like, like you said, that 4k does help leave a little extra resolution in there in case you do want to zoom in and kind of hold on to that 1080p. So that, yeah, definitely something to look at. But yeah, I, um, as far as what we got going on here, I don't know if anybody else has uh, had kind of a nice relaxing, I, I doubt Joseph has, but if anybody's had a nice relaxing Labor Day weekend, uh, I worked my butt off and I enjoy it. That's what I like to do. And uh, I think the missus and I are going to have a dip in the hot tub again tonight because why not? I've been up and down that ladder probably a thousand times this week. Uh, no, today I should say. And the old back is feeling it, but you know, um, 
as far as I'm just trying to think what else I had to share with you guys this week. Um, yeah. So uh, I need a better camera probably though. <laughs> I know you love your gear, Joseph. I, uh, everything's on my iPhone for now, but I might have to upgrade eventually, but then it's a matter of uploading it into a, a laptop or a desktop. Speaking of which, I just got, yeah, that's something else new. I just got a new HP desktop that's going to be replacing this system here in my office. Um, the one I'm on now makes a funny noise once in a while. And more than that, it's just damn old. And I'm worried I'm going to lose it. And I've got, you know, I've got everything backed up to the cloud and on USB drives and stuff. But, you know, if I came down here and wanted to have to do a, a live stream and all of a sudden my computer failed. So it was definitely time to have a new uh, computer for sure. But yeah, as far as this week going, uh, I've told you guys fall is in the air. Uh, Joseph said he mowed the farmyard and a rental, caulked in a few PTAC units on the hotel. Not bad at all today. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. You got to do it, right? And I'm getting calls like crazy for eaves trough cleaning or gutter cleaning. I think I've got 10 or 11 on my list already. Hey, Rod, how are you? <laughs> at what point should a DIYer not attempt a repair or contact a pro? Now, is this my buddy in Ontario? I, I hope it is, but <laughs> it's good to see you if it is. And you can chime in on this too, Joseph, but I would say, I think the important part is being comfortable. So yes. And for the record, uh, Joseph, um, I know you're in here too and anybody else, Rod, Rod's a good friend of ours and he has... Uh, he has blown me out of the water with some of the DIY stuff that he has tackled over the last few months, doing a ton of really cool projects, and he's kicking ass with it. I, he'll usually send me a message and say, hey, Tim, what do I do with this, do with that? And I try to help him out, and then sometimes he sends me pictures of jumbles of wires and things. But yeah, so back to the question. I would say the important thing is being comfortable with it. And being comfortable isn't the same as being willing to try something new. So just because you haven't tried something before and you might be a little uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not worth trying. Um, I always kind of had the mindset that if something was 10% more difficult than something you've already done, you can probably handle it on your own. Um, you know, I tend to be, honestly, I tend to get really nervous and a little insecure on projects that I maybe haven't done before. Um, Joseph says, oops, there goes the microphone. That was a good one. Let's put this up here so we can see it. If you don't fully understand the project and or it possesses a risk to life or property. Absolutely. So first off, I'd say maybe there's two different sections there. But the first is, if you're working for yourself, your risk tolerance is probably going to be a little bit higher than if you're working for someone else. But yes, um, you know, so if you're working for somebody else, stay the hell away from electrical, uh, plumbing, you know, it's one of those things. But I would say, you know, if, if you're willing to stretch yourself, you're willing to take your time and you're willing to break something down into bite-sized pieces, that's the big thing. Uh, does a DIY repair risk insurance coverage? N under my understanding, no, because insurance is to cover you for your own stupidity. So, you know, if you left your tap on and flooded your house, insurance is going to cover that. If you left a pot on the stove and it caught fire, it's going to, to do that. Um, I th normally, insurance 
only doesn't cover you under willful kind of what's the uh, fraud, that kind of thing. So if you intentionally went out and burnt your house down, of course, insurance isn't going to cover you, but, and it's kind of a gray area and it wouldn't hurt to ask. And maybe I'll ask Nathan, my local insurance guy, just to see what he says. But normally insurance is there to cover your own stupidity or your own inadequacy. So if you did a repair and something happened, there's a good chance they're going to cover you. But, they, you know, they might drop you as a client or raise your rates quite a bit the next time around. But, you know, going back to the projects, again, first off, it's important to build kind of a good level, a good layer of skills. So if you're working toward a new project and you have none of the basic skills for a, you know, a high level project, you might want to start on something lower. You know, find someone in your area that might be willing to... You're decently safe as a homeowner, as far as I know. Yeah, that's the way I feel too, Joseph. I, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so like I said, if you're looking at trying to take on a big project that you haven't done before, look at it and say, okay, do I have some of these skills? Maybe they're not at the highest level that I need yet, but can I build on those skills during this project? And if that's the case, then go for it. You know, YouTube University is incredible and... Just like the biggest thing for me is breaking down projects into bite-sized pieces. So if you can have small steps and say, okay, here we are, I'm going to do this and I need to master this first. So I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch this video. I'm going to test this out. I'm going to do it in a low risk, low stress environment, and I'm going to learn. So yeah, I would say, and you know, I'm a bad one to... To, to, to give recommendations on whether you should do it yourself or not, because I've done everything I can over the years, um, simply out of <laughs> abject poverty, needing to learn how to do things on my own because I couldn't afford to hire anybody else. So, you know, make friends, have a, you know, have a good listing of people you can call for advice. Um, and yeah, if you're absolutely 100% uncomfortable or the risk is too high, that's when I say it's probably a good time to, to move it on and suck it up and pay somebody. Uh, let's see what Joseph says here. Uh, here in Oklahoma, you can pull a full electrical system permit, full plumbing, etc. as the homeowner, even though you aren't licensed for it, you still get inspections just like a contractor. Huh? Well, that's not bad. I, I have my suspicions. Electrical doesn't work that way here in Alberta. But if it does, that's kind of cool. But I like that. So basically you have a right to repair of your own home. So that's kind of cool. And yeah, and I would, you know, anything you're doing, make sure your insurance premiums are up to date and that sort of thing too, because <laughs> last thing you want to do is screw something up, burn something down and end up calling insurance and say, oh, by the way, uh, your coverage lapsed last week and now you're not covered. So we'd love to cover you for your own stupidity, but we're not going to. So there you are. All right, guys. Well, we have hit the 45 minute mark and I have talked a lot longer than I expected tonight. I, I thought it was going to be a short session. I ended up getting ready to put my notes together tonight. I thought I had five pages of notes. I brought them all up and it turned out they were my notes from the last Q&A session from <laughs> four weeks ago. So here I was an hour beforehand. I'm like, oh, I need to put stuff together. And, uh, you know, I always have a ton of questions on the go, putting together a few segments for the survival podcast this week. So I had some of those as well, but my, my channel has been inundated. I try my damnedest to reply to 
all comments, all questions and everything. And I've had, I think in the time I was outside eating supper with the wife, I think I had nine or 10 comments and questions sent to me on generators and things like that. So there's no shortage of stuff coming through. And Joseph said, they won't reconnect you if you don't pass inspections. So it's decently safe. That's actually kind of a good way of doing it. I mean, it, it makes sense. You, they're like, hey, you screwed up. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. So we're not going to turn you back on. So then, you know, you climb up the pole in the middle of the night and you hook it up. Yourself. No, I didn't say that at all. That's not something you do. Not recommending that whatsoever. But yeah. All right, guys. So yeah, I think that's where we'll we'll tire up tonight. It was an awesome one. I hope you guys enjoy this. If you're listening to this on the podcast, thanks for listening to me. I love, we're getting a pretty good audience over there. So it's really cool. If any of you guys want to interact with me, you know, all the social media links about to hit 2,300 subscribers there, Tim. Congrats early. <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's been awesome. It's fun. Joseph, you're a good buddy, man. I always appreciate your uh, encouragement. And uh, I love doing these live streams, whether we get a, a great big um, a great big crowd in here or we pick it up on the other end. It's, it's, it's the highlight of my week. I love coming in here on uh, Sunday nights and chatting. So anyway, guys, we're going to shut her off here. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. Thanks again, guys, for dropping by the weekly workshop. A new edition drops every week, so keep an eye out. And if you're looking for a solution to such problems as I spilled paint on vinyl siding or I can't get this heavy picture to stay on the wall, stop by toolmantim.co and check out the Today's Tool section where I share products and tools that have either made me money or saved me money personally or in my long-running year-round handyman business. And if you found value in this content, please take a moment and share it on your social platform of choice. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.